Welcome to Journey Under 30, a roadmap drawn in discovery. I'm Colin Parker. And I'm Alex Taylor. And this is our podcast that's all about us doing whatever, you know, Alex and I can do to be named in a future Forbes 30 Under 30. Um, so this is episode eight. Uh, Alex, um, tell me how you're feeling on this episode. I, on this episode, I am feeling fine on this episode. Um, yeah. How are you? Um, I'm doing better today than I have in the past few days. Um, Good. you know, it's one of those things where, uh, especially when we record things, I try not to let personal things kind of, uh, carry over, but between things like we t- discussed in, rec- in a recent episode about like a grandparent dying and a couple other life changes that have happened um, yeah. that were slightly on me, but also not fully my decision, if that makes any sense. I'm, I'm not trying to be vague or subtweet anyone. It's just, you know, the idea of like, there's been a lot of change recently and of it um, sometimes that can be tough. Um, but... I think between some of the decisions that I made yesterday and some of the recent changes in my like lifestyle and stuff like that have started to sort of help me kind of get out of the funk a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, just a super quick kind of explain that. What I mean is that, um, you know, I, I started dressing differently. Um, I started dressing more, a little bit like an adult for lack of a better term, you know, like more formal mm-hmm. clothing. Yeah. Um, and, it was a thing where I don't know why I necessarily held out on doing it. I think maybe it's because I used to wear dress clothes every single freaking day because of, you know, the music retailer that I used to work at. Of course. Yeah. And I got tired of being formally dressed every day. Right. So I started doing the whole like, you know, oh, wearing band T-shirts and jeans because I'm in college again. But uh, the fact of the matter is, is that I started dressing formally again and at first it was for someone else's opinion really but in the end it's actually ended up being truly for me um because uh you know i now get compliments like not that you know people nice. didn't necessarily compliment me before like maybe people saw a t-shirt that i had and were like oh dude i love that group or whatever but like now yeah. now people are frequently like you know you look nice today you look good today and it's just kind good. of like thanks i you know i guess i just feel better it's encouraging um, Yeah, exactly. Um, And this is also something that we have talked about, I think, kind of across the board in all sorts of different projects. Um, But uh, I personally made a kind of other large decision uh, the day before we recorded this episode. Um, I made an announcement on on my personal Facebook account, and um, we have a video coming out in either the same day that we're recording this or the day after. Um, But... Uh, basically when also looking at aspects of my life in which I felt like I could change and maybe start working towards bettering myself, which is, you know, kind of what this whole podcast is about, right? You know, how can we grow and be the best that we can be at whatever it is that we choose to do and also be the best people that we can be. Um, and I was kind of analyzing, um, some of the video game material that we put out on YouTube and stuff like that. And I frequently found myself not liking things that I did or said, and I frequently found myself sort of putting on an air of confidence or importance that wasn't necessarily accurate, wasn't really true to my 
to who I really think that I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, you know, the competitive side of things could sometimes bring out an ugly side of me that I don't really like. Um, especially yeah. since, you know, uh, we're working on a network and I am trying to make it as collaborative as possible. It's not, you know, I don't want to be a competitive person. Um, and so I am stepping down from Scavengers Play, which is the uh, Let's Play series that, you know, you and I have worked on with a few other people on the network. Um, yeah. And, you know, I uh, have handed the reins over to, to you guys. Um, I look forward to seeing the stuff that you guys are going to be doing with it. Um, we had a conversation yeah. last night about some of those things, and I think you guys have um, some really great ideas. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm canceling family game night. Um, it's just, uh, now is not the time for that show. I think, um, it, it's, it's possible that maybe someday it could come back. Who knows? Um, but as of right now, it just, it now doesn't feel like an appropriate time to be, to be making that show. Um, of course. and the thing is what I really wanted to do is, uh, as I wanted to start focusing on connections, Mm -hmm. Um, which is something that you and I have talked about in previous episodes. Um, And I'm going to try not to monopolize the conversation here. So um, what I'll do here is I'm just going to say that um, connections and spending time on people and being open and all this other stuff, like basically just being better at communication um, has been the thing that I've kind of been working on recently. Um, And I do have something for us to talk about in regards to that. But before we do that, just again, so it's not all one-sided, uh, Alex, uh, what have you been working on recently, and um, you know what's 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 new with you? Well, recently I've been browsing. Um, nature is fucking lit, and it, I've I've been finding this very entertaining. Um, besides that, so with regards to our network, um, I've been working on. Um, well, so I recently did an interview, well, recently a couple months ago, um, did an interview with Victoria Watkins of Star Star Party, and I've been editing that interview down into episodes, and actually you can find that first episode under our Culture Shock program. Um, she's an artist and musician and actually does really a lot of cool, does really a lot of cool stuff, I'm really good with words, does a lot of cool right. stuff, like not only in the art vein, but also in the music vein. She actually also started a, right. a podcast called Magic Folk, so you should check that out. Um, yeah. I've also been gearing up for live streaming. So you'd mentioned that you're, I mean, you're passing the torch on um, gameplay videos. So um, Michael mm-hmm. Graham and I are doing, going to be doing more with figuring out, okay, so now, well, right now the, the, idea right now is figuring out okay so then what are we going to do to build these back up not to say they were broken down or anything but then how can we like start doing more in these because now if we're going to be doing right. more of it than doing more with it and then we're also right. going to be looking more into live streaming so i actually did a live stream well so we're recording on well i don't want to date ourselves but on the 27th That's okay we're recording on the 27th yeah yeah and then i actually had my first live stream uh, yesterday so it was a night i was initially a little like nervous like oh wait okay so now i'm just going to be playing a video game and people are going to be watching this is kind of weird but you know it, it was a nice introduction to it so i'm going to start live streaming um more probably on mondays doing more music live streaming and stuff like that so yeah fantastic yeah. um and, uh, you know, actually what you just said did actually kind of remind me that, um, another big thing for speaking of like network stuff is that, you know, we have been, so like basically all this situation stuff that's been happening, um, in my personal life stuff that I'm not, you know, carrying over to here, but like, um, 
it did light this sort of fire, not just within me, but honestly, I think within a lot of the group, because as I started to kind of get a little fired up about things, I think that it sort of was contagious. Uh, basically, though, you know, what happened was, is you know, we've been talking about what we can do when Graham and I graduate. We've been talking about, you know, what's the next steps and, you know, what we're going to do once we're all back in town together. And it kind of got to a point where we were just like, you know what, though? Why wait that long? Yeah. Um, and I do think that the live streaming stuff that you guys have been talking about and trying to build up scavengers play and stuff like that yeah. um, comes from that because you're right. It's not that it was broken, um, but it is definitely a thing where, especially in the last couple of weeks, it's been super inconsistent because of uh, the end of last semester. And then yeah. obviously all my personal things that were stuff going happens, on. Yeah. yeah. Stuff happens. Um, and you know, life happens really. And yeah. it's sometimes it's a wake up call, you know, and yeah, this definitely. has kind of been a personal coming to Jesus moment. But like, I think that we've all kind of found the different aspects of things that we can work on and what we would like to work on. Yeah. Um, you know, so you guys have found certain gameplay things. You specifically have been finding some extra music things to work on, which we actually talked about in the last episode. Yeah. Um, and actually, so with with regard to like the music live streaming stuff. So the plan is to have it not, I mean, not necessarily separate from the scavenger stuff, but like kind of build my own brand, which I can then well still have with the scavengers, but still just have like another way to build awareness for stuff. But Yeah. I had, I was going somewhere with that, but <laughs> no, I know. I totally, I totally understand what you're saying. I mean, like it's something that what we had talked about, um, I realized that I just said that I was going to be taking, um, a step away from video game stuff, but, um, this analogy is video game related. Yeah. Um, but like we were saying that basically like something that you're trying to do is kind of like be, um, an achievement honor to our rooster teeth in this yeah. scenario. Um, <clears throat> and I think that's totally great. I think that's fine. I mean, obviously you don't want to, you don't want entropy to kick in. Um, you know, you got to keep things fresh. You got to keep things moving. Um, and I think that that's kind of one of the things and ways we can do that by adding these changes that we're working on. I think it's going to help revitalize the the network and the channel and, you know, the website that we're working on, uh, building more upon this weekend. Um, and, uh, we're also looking to add a few more shows. We're in, we're in the process of talking with a few other podcasters, um, and, um, kind of expanding our network a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I actually have a new show that'll be, um, coming out on the following Tuesday awesome. of this episode. Yeah. So to kind of basically to, to coincide. So like on the weekends that on the Matthias again, on the weekends, on the weeks that this show isn't on because we're bi-weekly here, right? That show will be bi-weekly and it'll kind of counterbalance that. So there's always something coming out from us specifically on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, the thing is though, is that we can, I think kind of transition this into something that I wanted to talk about here. Right. So, um, before we kind of get to our presentations, I think something that has kind of worked out well for us in the past is when we talk about some sort of, uh, business terminology or business thing or whatever you want to call it, right. That we can kind of apply not just to ourselves, but also to kind of learn about that maybe can be helpful to other people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned about this, um, this week in a, uh, management class mm-hmm. and it was something that I felt was very important, especially for myself in this time, because, um, yeah. the, the teacher actually, you know, kind of, uh, not reciprocated, but like kind of um, gave me an example, you know, to me, like when we were talking um, after the 
after the class and, you know, kind yeah. of use that moment to not only show me how it's done, but also like to physically do this for me. And I was like, I was very appreciative of it in, uh, of in my current state. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about something called the one minute manager. One minute um, manager. And the one minute manager is this kind of idea of like, you know, uh, effectiveness and efficiency are obviously both important. Um, and people work hard when they feel good. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, for, I, I don't want to necessarily sound, um, uh, not grammatically correct, but in, in a way it's like work good, fe- like feel good, work good. Yeah. Right. Um, and so the one minute manager is basically one minute praisings is kind of, I think kind of like the bigger thing, but there's also one minute reprimands, but I want to talk about praising today. You know, I want to talk about, um, positive thoughts and stuff like that. And so I'm going to do one for you and then, um, you know, you can take some time if you need to think of oh, your words. Need a whole lot of time for you, my, my man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, For me. But <laughs> so basically this is how it works, right? The one minute man, uh, so the one minute praising, um, mm-hmm. is, uh, it's just a couple of steps. So you tell people up front that you're going to, uh, what you're going to do to let them know like how they're doing. Right. Yeah. Um, and then you praise them immediately. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you tell people what they did right and be specific about it. Um, you tell people how good you feel about what they did right and how it helps the organization and the mm-hmm. other people who work there. Then stop for a moment of silence to let them kind of feel how good you feel, right? Kind of like let it ruminate a little bit. Yeah. Then encourage them to do more of the same. Um, shake hands or touch people in a way that makes it clear that you support their success in the organization. So mm-hmm. by that, they mean like a pat on the arm kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Or like, you know, if you're walking together, just kind of like, a, like a brief hand on the shoulder kind of thing. Like, like a, Hey, I just wanted to you know grab you real quick and talk to you about something. Yeah, a brief right. On the um, no, yeah. uh, that would be a reason that I would say, Hey, which direction is HR? Um, yeah. thank you. <laughs> so real quick, uh, I, obviously I can't, you know, make eye contact and, um, you know, shake your hand at this moment, but well, we're going to kind of do can't this. You can see me, but I can see you. Oh, well, that's concerning. Yeah. Now that, <laughs> Now, I, you know, I kind of wondered why one of the eyes in this uh, McElroy poster looked very cyborg-like, but yeah, now I get that it's just a camera. The room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Alex, uh, I'm going to be praising you, um, okay. and it's actually going to be about kind of the, some of the stuff that we've already talked about, but stuff that really was discussed yesterday. Yeah. Um, so, something that I said in the episode that we had with Graham, right, was that I'm not always great at asking for help. Uh, and I'm not always great at delegation. Yeah. Um, I can be a perfectionist and I kind of hold tightly to, to things of mine. Um, but what I really appreciate is that I've obviously been going through some pretty hard times recently and been going through some rather large changes. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you didn't step on my toes. Uh, you know, you kind of asked for permission in some cases and in other situations, you just sort of um, stepped up to the plate, right, to kind of handle some of the the work that needed to be done um, to kind of basically help keep my plate from overflowing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've done a great job of, of, of stepping into a, a leadership role that I think you've kind of already had, but you know, you kind of um, kind of stepped it up, took it to the next level and kind of started moving us in a new and proper direction. Um, and I think it's very refreshing to see, how like motivated you are and like how nice it is to see that just because maybe I've made a few mistakes doesn't mean that you're going to um, 
hold those against me, but instead say, that's okay, we've got you, and, you know, kind of help facilitate um, the next big thing and the next big move. Um, so I appreciate your work with the rebranding of Scavenger's Play and adding streaming in. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, I think you're doing a great job with that. And I look forward to seeing what you guys are going to do with this. Well, thank you. I really do appreciate that. I mean, it's, it's not so much like, this is where I need a second to think about things. Well, put me on the spot here. So, um, everybody has their limits, but not everybody is willing to face them. And you've not only had these thrust at you in recent times, but you've also f- taken it in stride and have worked towards bettering yourself and also the network. The journey to becoming a 30 under 30 isn't easy, but I believe with your work ethic and ability to reflect and better yourself, I believe that will get you very far. Thanks, man. I, I, I do really, really appreciate yeah. that. I, I was trying to figure out how to like make it a minute but i, I think no, you're fine short short's better with less bullshit. You're totally fine. thank you very much for your kind words alex um, yeah uh-huh <laughs> uh like i said I mean, <laughs> no i mean like for real like you know like i said in the in this weird kind of uh changing of the tide i guess i don't know what to call it but like in this very odd like time of of uh growth and um evaluation and stuff like that you know yeah. like Sometimes kind of having words of affirmation or words of um, confirmation maybe is probably the better terminology there Yeah, um, can, can actually, you know, help because it sometimes, you know, I, I wonder, am I on the right path, you know, yeah. um, and hearing things like that can make you feel like you are. Uh, so that. last week I made you go first. Uh, so do you want me to go first this week? Sure. Okay, cool. Um, so last week... So real quick, I got kind of a peek behind the curtain, right? Um, mm-hmm. So to kind of part the um, hotel con- complimentary robe that we've been given. Um, Our one robe that we share between us. Right. right. Um, yeah. You get the left arm, I get the right arm. Oh, okay, cool. Um, it's kind of like okay. a game ogre, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, last week kind of um, kind of gave us some ideas of, you know, things that we can kind of, uh, shift conversation with in this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously people who have 30 under thirties are important and they're vital to the conversation that we have here because that's what we're trying to do. Right. But the idea also is that sometimes there are people who get their, I don't want to say get their act together, like later in the game. It's just sometimes some people don't get it before 30 necessarily. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, sometimes opportunities don't arise until a little bit later in your life. Right. Yeah. Um, and so there's, um, the person that I want to present today Mm -hmm. is the kind of person who like had the technology and, and, uh, the ability to kind of do the thing that he did right in order to create what he has created, Mm -hmm. um, wasn't fully around in his early twenties. So it's like, it wasn't until his late twenties that they got started. So like, even if Forbes had the 30 under 30, um, way back when, like in the early two thousands, you know, like depending on how closely they were following his progress, he still might not have gotten it. Right. Yeah. But the thing is that there's definitely a lot to learn from this individual. Yeah. So, uh, obviously I'm being very vague, but let me present to you kind of a, a 30 second pitch. Right. Yeah. Um, this is a person that I identify with very drastically. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is a person who had an idea and had uh, some material that he w- really wanted to work with, uh, work on rather, 
that he had done other projects with, you know, this group of friends that he had mm-hmm. and said, like, how can we continue to work together? Right. And so they started working on these things and it was like, how can we make this our full time job? Yeah. And by just purely just like hammering it out and putting in relentless hours and being willing to do whatever it took to take this group of friends with, oh, sorry, I, I like hiccuped on that word, yeah. to take a group of friends and take an idea, right, and to evolve it into what is now a company that has like well over 200 people in it and puts out, you know, constant material every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of a a business glow up, if you will, right? Yeah. Um, from starting a series uh, that kind of created their success uh, in machinima yeah. um, all the way through podcasting and even being a part of a feature film. Uh, I'm here today to talk to you about Michael Justin Burns, otherwise mm. known as Bernie Burns of Ooh. Rooster Teeth. Cool. Um, so, you know, Rooster Teeth is one of those prototype companies for us, you know, here at the scavengers network. Um, yeah. There's a lot of stuff that we kind of uh, draw inspiration from and kind of take a look at and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, Bernie Burns is, you know, one of the driving forces behind the creation of that, right? You know, he was one of the founding fathers and, uh, I won't lie. I, when I call us the founding fathers of our group, I totally stole that from, from them when they talk about the founding fathers of Rooster Teeth. Um, so he is, you know, one of the co-founders. Um, he used to be the CEO. Now he's the CCO, the chief creative officer, which is, um, Sort of, kind of, also what I do for us, um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. So he, you know, has done all sorts of things. So, like, like I said, they started in Machinima, yeah, right. And this is kind of how I think what we're probably going to spend most of our time discussing because Machinima was kind of newer and clunkier, and like, I mean, with tools that we have today, right on 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 uh, computers that you can just kind of jump into you can actually kind of take models and renders and stuff like that and kind of create new environments and, you know, make bodies do things through motion capture and stuff like that. Yeah. But back in the day, you really couldn't do that, right? It was all purely through, okay, this Xbox over here is going to be the camera, right? And they'll be free floating through this space Mm -hmm. and using Forge, you know, we're going to turn off all the HUDs and we have to get this person over here and we're going to have to time all the head bobs and movements and stuff like that, right? To make it so that you know who's speaking, stuff like that. I mean, like it's countless hours of, of setting up the same shot, you know, 20 times and then doing it 20 times. And, you know, I mean, it takes hours and hours and hours to get one episode done. And one episode is like five to 10 minutes, you know? Um, and as the company grew, as they could bring in more people, they kind of were able to sort of outsource some of that stuff, you know, again, you know, getting people who can do some of these things like motion capture um, and even kind of writing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Bernie Burns, you know, working alongside with Matt Hollum and, you know, Jeff Ramsey and Gus Rola, you know, like they made a story that, you know, they were all proud of, but then the next generation kind of came in and continued to work together to make kind of uh, the next, the next series, if you will. I mean, like obviously there's still, it, it, that's neither here nor there. There are multiple se- uh, seasons though. in right at yeah. this point, and like what, 14 or 15, I, th- I believe 15, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, might be 16 coming out this year, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. So 
the main original story was the Red versus Blue, the Blood Gulch uh, Chronicles. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. Um, and they were, I mean, like they're they. I think obviously some of the animation isn't amazing because you know they're using like Halo One, Halo Two, Halo Three, right? Um, yeah. In the beginning, and then like now that they're in like the kind of higher quality stuff, obviously things are much sleeker looking. Um, so some of the graphics might not necessarily hold up, but like I still think that the storytelling and everything like that does hold up, and it's a lot of fun. Um, and to think that a whole company could then branch off off of just that one thing, I think that's something that we have always kind of had. Mm-hmm. Um, not hopes for, but like that's something again. That's where we kind of get our some of our inspiration from of saying, okay, we started with one thing, which was family game night and scavengers play. But like, how can we expand that and 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 create something bigger that's more than just us doing dumb video game stuff? Like, how can we increase, the, you know, increase this? Yeah. How can um, we also, take real it quick, forward? I didn't mean to say. Yeah, I didn't mean to say like dumb stuff is in because I'm like leaving it. I mean like literally it's just us yelling all the time, you know. So it's like how can I we mean, get yeah. into a little bit more deeper content as well? Of course. Um and so, you know, the thing is though is that uh red versus blue put them like on the goddamn map. I mean like it exploded and it was extremely popular. And they, you know, multiple people um, of this group at one point had worked at a call center and stuff like that. And now obviously they're working for this company that does huge things. Yeah. So it, it just takes the right mentality. Um, I think, you know, the, the right drive and the right, uh, I mean, a little bit of it is the right place, the right time, you know, and putting things out on the right websites. Cause you know, YouTube wasn't even really a thing yet. Um, so, you know, having, finding ways to drive people to your personal website and find this show, you know, it takes a lot. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, I think, you know, and like, so if you want to look at like the kind of like the timeline, right, red versus blue, um, then led to, uh, EA contacting them to do like a promotional series for the Sims two, um, which was the series, um, the stranger hood, um, which wasn't really my thing, but like, obviously there are people who clearly love it. So, you know, I, it's again, it's one of those things where different strokes for different folks. Um, and then, you know, think about that, right. From like 2004 through, um, you know, through, uh, or 2003, rather, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, 2003, all the way up until like, let's say 2006, maybe. Yeah. Right. That those kind of early days. And then all of a sudden, 2015, having a science fiction comedy film called Laser Team, you know, in which he stars and co co write, uh, co wrote, you know, like those are huge jumps. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, other things that he's worked on, um, have been things like, uh, you know, kind of, basically giving the thumbs up in a way like green lighting achievement hunter, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, became a, obviously a huge success as well. Um, doing, you know, RT shorts all the time, doing the film podcast upon podcast. Um, I mean the RT podcast, the rooster teeth podcast has been airing like every Monday and they're in like episode, uh, f- Oh God, I want to say it's past 500, but now I've got a triple check. Yeah, because I did look this up earlier today, but I actually didn't write down the number. Mm-hmm. Um, Rooster Teeth podcast. Hang on, here we go. Oh, we are on episode. Okay, no, I'm wrong. Four seventy six. For some reason, I wow. thought we were on like five hundred two. Oh, it's still a lot you know, though. <laughs> exactly four hundred seventy six episodes, and that's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of episodes. Um, yeah, and I think that's incredible that a show like that can 
or a podcast rather can have that level of uh, success because certainly if you think about that too, right? Like think about how many episodes that is, how many years ago that is, right? Uh, Well, what's your schedule for podcasts? Is it like monthly or weekly or weekly? Um, It's weekly or at least RT podcast is. Um, I mean, most of their shows are um, some shows like always open, which is hosted by Barbara Dunkelman. Um, the, that is also weekly, but it's, uh, it has seasons. So it goes away for a few weeks and then the next season comes out, yeah. you know? Um, but, uh, I mean, I, if you think about it, serial does the same thing, right. Mm-hmm. Or other, uh, now granted always open isn't a serialized show, right. But, but any breakfast many shows item have, be. what's that? Any breakfast item will be. Oh my God. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, but you know, again, like, so um, last thing I'll kind of get at though, right? Um, I, I just kind of want to point out kind of the different things that he's worked on. So the, these are all projects that he has, um, been in, been a part of, kind of helped, uh, push forward, right? Yeah. Red versus blue, right? That started everything off. The Strangerhood, mm-hmm. Panics, um, Supreme Surrender, Captain Dynamic, the Rooster Teeth shorts, right? Um, mm-hmm. Immersion, um, uh, uh, Rooster Teeth Animated Adventures, The Gauntlet, A Simple Walk into Mordor, Video Game High School, Chris Hardwick's All-Star Celebrity Bowling. Now, granted, that's not fully, like, Rooster their Teeth. thing. He was just but kind of in that, but I mean, still. Still cool. Um, uh, Ruby, uh, YouTubers React, he was in two episodes of that, Ten Little Roosters, X-Ray and Vav, uh, Million Dollars But, Rooster Teeth Entertainment System, Death Battle, Day 5, Crunch Time, Ruby Chibi and the 11 little roosters yeah. as well as obviously uh laser team and laser team two. Yeah. Um, and he was even on like the amazing race for, you know, like a full, almost the full season. Um, and, uh, he's made some, he's done some voices for some video games at this point. You know, he was a voice of a halo character and, in grand theft, uh, auto Chinatown wars. Oh, cool. Um, and yeah, and so, you know, I, I basically kind of what I'm trying to get at here, right, is that uh, I, as opposed to kind of talking about something that we've done in the past, right, which is that um, here are all the different things that they did and like that's what led to their success, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of a little bit more of a retrospective look at a successful career, even if it kind of really mostly took off after he turned 30. Yeah. The thing is, though, is that I think that something I want to point out and I think that fully ties into all the conversation that we've had already today mm-hmm. is that Bernie Burns is most certainly like a, you know, strong business leader. Yeah. Uh, he definitely, I, I, it's one of those things where it's like, it just feels like he always knows what he's doing. Even if he doesn't, he does a great job of kind of hiding that. Right. He does an amazing job of just doing what he can he's extremely transparent right the bernie vlog that he had for all of last year which just ended this week um but you know that had a lot of transparency as to how rooster teeth runs the company and Mm -hmm. what happens sort of behind the scenes um and all of that sort of thing is extremely important to creating a community and creating a welcome environment in which people can work but another big thing about him is that he didn't do it alone he mm-hmm. always gives credit where credit is due. Um, he frequently finds newer, younger minds to kind of help get something started with them mm-hmm. to say, I had a chance with, you know, uh, Red versus Blue, and I think that you could have a chance with, and then whatever show that they are going to work on, right? Yeah. 
and helps them kind of get a start in it. Um, I think Bernie Burns and his whole team at Rooster Teeth have created just this basically monolith in online entertainment. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I think isn't slowing down at all. And I think that's incredible. I think that's awesome. And I think that's important in a time where something like YouTube is sort of falling apart. Yeah. This is a company that just gets it and knows how to treat its people right and well. And, um, that's why I, um, you know, I admire this, this person. That's why I admire his, um, his, his, his career. And then I, there's a lot of stuff of, that he has done that I would like to follow his suit in. Yeah. Well, and something that, um, something that I'm taking away from this is, so I've been a fan of a group called the Gogs cast for a while. So they got their start Mm -hmm. with doing Minecraft and it was mainly just Minecraft. And then when Minecraft started to fall away, they started looking to other stuff outside of that. And like they, I guess in contrast with um, Rooster Teeth and Achievement Hunter, like they haven't really gone outside of that. Like they found their niche and they're sticking within it, but then they also haven't like looked into other ways to expand outside of that. Not only content wise, but like what what else can we do that's significant and how else can we make a difference? So like, I appreciate that with Bernie Burns, like he's not only like trying to keep what he has, but he's also looking outside of that. Like not who else can we get involved to bring in some fresh faces and what else could we do outside of just what we've already been doing? So, right. Yeah. Because you know, things like, obviously like they started with a lot of stuff that's video game content related, but at this point it's not just only about that, you know, like all these different things of like, you know, podcasting. I mean, they, they actually just recently launched their own podcast network um, called The Roost. Yeah. I actually totally forgot about that. But I mean, like, you know, it's like they've clearly like they've found all sorts of projects that are just entertainment world related yeah. and kind of found a, a corner in that market for themselves. Um, and, you know, finding this um, finding this, I think, you know, home for people. Um, in which they can kind of showcase their talents. And it's it's fun to see things like the um, Extra Life uh, stream, right, every year, um, you know, the Extra Life stream for charity. Yeah. It's really fun to watch what different people bring to their hour or two on the stream to kind of showcase their talents and do fun things to kind of, you know, do stuff for the kids. But, like, I don't know, it just it Rooster Teeth is the kind of place that, like, I – before we started this, Rooster Teeth was the kind of place that I'd always wanted to work. Yeah. Not that I don't still want to work at there, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I would like, uh, obviously, if they called me up tomorrow and were like, hey, you know, we have a job for you, I would fucking love to do that. Yeah. Um, it's just more of the idea of like, you know, I obviously also have things that uh, I'd like to, to, to do myself. And, you know, whether I get a chance through them or through through this project or what have you, um, there's so many great things to take away from from strong leaders, mm-hmm. right? Um, who believe in not only themselves but their teammates and their team members. And I just i I truly love the business model of Rooster Teeth, and I love just like the fact that it's essential. I mean, it's just a family. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, it's a family. And what more could you want from like a dream job? You know, of course. Well, and in many, well, so with a lot of the jobs that I worked, like there, there was never really like a sense of family and it's nice to Mm -hmm. see that. And I mean, it's still a thing in a lot of companies where it's like, not only just, oh, well you go there to work there. It's, you go there to be with people that you consider to be not only, you know, great coworkers, but also people that you would just see yourself being in an actual family with. So not like making, making a family with necessarily, but yeah. 
Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's totally, that's a totally different vulnerability, but you know, yeah. still. <laughs> All right. So, um, I'm taking a different, um, interpretation of this. So, um, I, I guess I'll be, I'll start off vague like you did, Colin. So, um, okay. my choice. So he is a Berlin based artist, a composer with a background in landscape design. I guess this is also my 32nd pitch. He, in, he investigates the intersections between music, art, and science through conceptual compositional cycles and art installations. He's also the founder of Roster Norton, Roster Norton, a German-based record label for glitchy, conceptual, and otherwise outsider electronic music. He's also collaborated with Ryuichi Sakamoto on the soundtrack for The Renovant, which ended up not getting a Grammy due to a technicality. Um, his musical output explores themes of failure, mutation, and giving creative function to machines that do not have any. And he's currently wor- he currently works as a professor in art with a focus in digital and time-based media at the Dresden Academy of Fine Arts. My choice is Karsten Nikolai, otherwise known as Alvinoto. So, so hey, sorry, real quick before you jump into that. Yeah. I mean, um, maybe it might be in your notes or in your thing that you're going to be talking about. So, if it is, just say, "Oh, just just give me a second, I'll get to it." But what is the technicality that kept him from getting a? Uh, well, you said it was a Grammy. Yeah, I think it was a Grammy. What was that technicality? So, with the, the so the technicality was that the music was composed by more than one composer. So it was composed by um, Ryuichi Sakamoto, Karsten Nikolai, and a little bit of Bryce Dessner as well. So okay. they didn't, I guess the technicality was it wasn't just one person. So they oh. were disqualified. That sucks. Yeah, it does. And it's really good music too. So it really sucks. <laughs> yeah. So, huh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and definitely, I guess we'll edit this bit out, but feel free to leave that bit in because I do find it interesting that like they were, they were disqualified on based on a fucking technicality, but yeah, I mean, I think it's also kind of a bullshit reason, too, so yeah, we'll leave it in. Cool. So, um, I, so <laughs> cutting back in, so what I find most interesting about how he works is that he works in cycles, so it's not just like, okay, so we're going to go album here, album here, album here. It's that every cycle has its own like concept or theme that he's working around, and it's not like it's, okay, so I'm just going to work on this cycle for this amount of time, and then this next one, like there's a lot of overlap between he does between these cycles so like he you can see where he grows in different ways between these cycles but then he still has those the focus on what he's like the conceptual focus for each thing right so a little bit about him so he grew up in east germany so he didn't have a lot of access to music so like um as he so as he said like he didn't grow up with the blues or guitar music so much so but he really did grow up with electronic music like tangerine dream Mm -hmm. um depeche mode um and a lot of other german groups so and you can really see how these come out in his music. So I did mention that he has a landscape design background. So when actually a little anecdote. So when he first started getting into electronic music, he approached it more as like experiments and sound. So he wasn't look looking uh-huh. so much with like, okay, so we're going to see what we do with like this note a, and this is the tempo and stuff. It was more based in, this is the frequency and these are the amount of seconds. Okay. So it's much more of a scientific based approach to measurement. Now, when he started like working with Ryuichi Sakamoto and they had like the conversation like, Oh wait, okay. So we're looking at a, and it's in four, four, what you mean? Um, 440 beat, uh, 440 Hertz. <laughs> and then it's 120 right. seconds. No, no, it's like this. So it's like, he's, his musical language has expanded, but I still find it interesting that it comes from such a scientific background. So, um, mm-hmm. and I'm going to talk about four four cycles of his work. So, the first one is the Trans All series. The next one is the Uni series. Um, then we have the Virus series. And then we have the Xerox series. 
So with the Transall series, it was comprised of four releases. Um, the pieces experimented with synthesizing rhythmic patterns from popular music with digital sounds comprised of pure waveforms and noise. So melody and harmony don't really have a lot of place in this in these works. It's really just structuring these kind of outsider sounds, but using more popular rhythmic conventions. So I actually have okay. a, I don't know if you could do this right now, but for our listeners, I actually have a little demo for you. So what I want you to do is open up Audacity. If you don't have Audacity, then I guess whatever whatever other audio editing program you have. And in Audacity, okay. there's this thing called, so if you go under file and then you go mm-hmm. to import, you can import raw data. So raw data is basically anything that's not a sound file. So what I want you to do is open up any, like open up a JPEG or any kind of image or text file. And then it might take a second to import and then you play back and then you'll get a little, probably just like a quick second of noise. But that's basically how um, Karsten Nikolai made the sounds for this um, huh. project. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And I mean, your mileage may vary. Like sometimes it could be very interesting sounds. Other times it might not be very interesting at all. But but it it does kind of go to show that like even if you aren't a musician, like you can st- or like consider yourself a musician, like you could still make music. You can still be a part of it. Like I guess going outside of this, I guess like one of my major criticisms with like music education is it just seems like the they're saying if you don't study it, then you can't do it. Or if you aren't at this point then you can't do it. But there's so much that people have access to and that people can do just there's what I feel to be a kind of discouragement from even trying. And I feel like it's not just with music. It's with a lot of other fields too, but yeah. So that's my spiel for the day. (laughs) So just kind of to, cause I'm, I'm trying to understand this cause like, you know, obviously I've never done this before. Right. Um, but so there's kind of two questions that I have. One of them is about a legal thing. And the other one is about uh, a kind of a follow up to the file type. So for the file type thing, right? Like when you have like a GIF file, yeah. right? Um, it's obviously it's like multiple pictures, but condensed into kind of a one file and it moves through them. Yeah. Right now, does it, does it load each and every single one of those photos as an, as its own thing? Or does it also read it as only one file or you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know if that makes no, any that sense. sense. Like I'm- well, from my understanding with that, it would just be read. Well, since the, the, the GIF is just one file, it would just be GIF. read. The GIF would just be read as one file. It would just be yeah. pulling all of that data and then turning that into one composite sound. Yeah. Okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Okay, and then the, the last question is, is because uh, maybe this hasn't come up for him, mm-hmm. right? But I'm wondering, has there been any kind of like legal um, issues from this kind of process? Because for instance, if he's using a movie, right, that he's loading into the thing, mm-hmm. even if he's getting something entirely different out of it, it's that would technically, by like copyright law, that would be a derivative work. So I'm wondering yeah. like if there's... But the, but the other thing is that I'm sure there's probably no way to put whatever he got right into like a some sort of, you know, sound system and have it be able to go, oh, yeah, that's the audio from back. this movie. Yeah, I mean, right. And I don't I I wonder. Oh, well, I don't know if he nece- I necessarily got permission or maybe he did get permission. and It was totally fine. Um, I also wonder if it would be possible to actually, like you had said, actually trace it back. Like if I were to take a take a copyrighted image and then drop it into audacity and then mess with it and mess with it and mess with it. Like, I don't know if that would necessarily, if people would even really know unless I said, Hey, yeah. So I took this image and did that. 
Right. So yeah. it's not saying so, that. I mean, it's, in a way, it's that it's okay. Yeah, but like, yeah, ah, uh, that's that's a really interesting legal question. Yeah. And like, I'm not even really a legal person. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, I only ask these things because like I'm literally in a legal issues class right now for the entertainment industry and we've talked a little bit about like you know music rights you know for even for podcasts and stuff like that but like i'm now kind of wondering like you know if i took every episode of my brother my brother and me Mm -hmm. right and import it into audacity through like the data processing right and then released it as an album right even like if i never told anyone that that's where i got my source from like would I still be covered or would would I somehow have to you know what I mean like yeah. if someone did find out would I have to then pay them or something you know so it's that's that's an interesting thing that is but I also yeah. uh my my last question about this almost right is that I also wonder if even though he's using a copyrighted material right mm-hmm. he's taking a file of it and I wonder if cuz you know if you think about like a composition right yeah. something like a drum beat can't be copyrighted right like just a simple pattern a chord progression cannot be copyrighted so i wonder if there's something about like the data information of a file that may may be kind of technically free reign possibly i don't know i don't know i don't know because then what are you actually copywriting are you copywriting the data or are you you copywriting the resulting image well see i would assume that it's the resulting image and sound but i but the thing is like it's like where do you draw the line of like what the data represents and like where, when it starts to represent yeah, it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So interesting. That's a, I mean, in a way, I guess that's almost like a chicken or the egg thing, you Definitely. know? Or in, in a case of Holly Flanagan, the egg, right? Yeah. yeah. Sorry. That was a dumb joke. Holly Chatfield Flanagan. Yes. I, I apologize. Yes. That was a dumb joke. It's okay. Okay. No, you're totally <laughs> fine. No, I'm actually um, not. But so, um, no, I was, I was saying you're fine because you said her, her, her name that she uses online, but I always use the, uh, whenever they do their, you know, their podcast, which is uh Shelly has opinions, which you should definitely check Please out. Check that out. Show. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was a free promo there. You're welcome. Um, Holly. no, but, uh, you know, like what I really love is that like, because they're all the Chatfield sisters, but like, you know, you know, when they've married and they now have like different last Holly names Flanagan. So they go Holly Chatfield Flanagan. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. 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 Julie Chatfield. Yeah. yeah so, so it's like stuff like that, you know, and I just think it's cute. Yeah. So uh, I guess another thing to add to this is that, uh, Karsten, or I guess Mr. Nikolai has also used like, well, in creating these sounds, he's used like certain yeah. thematic words or images. So like what well, in the liner notes, like it mm. states like, the he the pieces express themes of acceleration of progress, deceleration of utopian thought, and like images of images in terms of speed, vision, deformation, information, all these other things we're using creating the sounds. So then, question for you, and actually question for our listeners, um, is the intention of the music and source material a prerequisite for actually listening? So what I mean by this is that a music where mm-hmm. the intention behind the structures and the source material and composition is a guiding factor, do you need to know that in order to actually under, to listen and on top of that, understand and appreciate the pieces? Or can you just appreciate them on the surface level? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. Um, I think it kind of depends, yeah. right? Like, Because like, uh, the way I would kind of describe this right is that you know when you're doing something like that right where there's no like i I mean maybe if you do a lot of manipulation it's it's possible that you might get this but i'm assuming that through this process it's a music that has no kind of meter or real 
uh, key it or can. anything like that. You mean so it's it? It can. Oh, okay, I was gonna say because I was I was assuming it might be a little bit more avant garde. Maybe. Well, yeah, but like, well, so with a lot of the like the Translaw and Uni series, like they're very like outsider in their sounds, but like they still use. I mean, unless they're like more droney pieces, they still have like more like popular rhythmic patterns to it. Gotcha, gotcha. I mean, I guess. I guess my answer would be, at least for me, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a prerequisite, right, in order to listen. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes people get caught up in things like genre and feel or whatever, but if you think about it, like, okay, so here's here's probably a good example, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, up until 2017, I I was never, like, a the kind of person that would listen to country music on my own, yeah. right? Um, but... It takes the right person or situation to, I think, then listen to something that maybe isn't normally your preference, but yeah. you then have an appreciation because you have an appreciation for that situation or that person. You know, like for instance, people who don't like particular musicals, but then once they've acted in them, like, oh, they like want to then go back and listen. I like you're in town, right? Because yeah. I was because I was a part of it, right? Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing. Like honestly, I didn't used to like you're in town until I played for it. Yeah, I didn't like I it until I was it, actually in it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And then once I once I was there, I was like, oh shit, actually, I, I do like this music and I'll sometimes go back and listen to yeah. it. But it, it's the idea of like, maybe in a way that is kind of a prerequisite now, right? That you mm-hmm. have all these past feelings that kind of make you want to listen. Of course. Right? But I think that to a certain extent, right, they're going into a song that I've never heard before, yeah. I may not know the story going into it. Yeah. And it's very possible that I can come out of a song and still not know the full story. Mm-hmm. So is the like is the intention behind the structure and the source material and composition like is that necessary for not only listening but appreciating? I don't think so. Um, okay. Sorry, I guess is my final answer. I think that it might be something that kind of gets you through the door, yeah. right? To kind of initially listen, but I think that like anyone can sit down and go, I don't like classical music or I don't like country or I don't like jazz, but then sit down and suddenly hear a new piece that they've never heard before and be like, Whoa, yeah, that I totally get that, you know, to a certain extent, like since it's subjective, I think it's just, uh, on the ear of the beholder. Yeah. But what we can't say is objective is how wonderful emotion by Carly Rae Jepsen is. Absolutely. (laughs) God damn. That's a great album. And then the last thing I'm going to mm-hmm. touch on is the Xerox series. So when you hear the word Xerox, what do you think? Uh, like copy and print machines? Yes. So with this compositional cycle, it was spelled Xerox with an extra R. So the idea is, well, so it deals with the, well, obviously ideas of duplication, multiplication, and repetition. But then the more you repeat things, obviously they you, they change over time or they like create different artifacts, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea with this with this process was that the more you constantly examine something and change something, the more separated that product becomes from the original source, and then in effect it becomes its own thing. So you're creating something new from something else. Mm. And a lot of the um, sources that he'd used for this again samples, but like he used like public domain music stuff, advertising, soundtracks, um, field recordings, and stuff. And the result of this, at least for me, is it has like a much more cinematic sound because he's actually pulling from these more cinematic resources. So it kind of informs mm-hmm. like the kind of sound that it gets. Now, other stuff is like a, certainly like a, still in that same noisy vein, but it's interesting because it takes right. like it goes from like the Transol and the um, Uni series and goes towards a more like 
orchestral cinematic or just kind of like i don't want to say spacey but like like droney and amorphous kind of sound so yeah right mm-hmm. so yeah a lot of yeah. interesting stuff yeah wow there you go yeah there you have it well nicely done well there you have it folks uh <laughs> that's gonna do for us no i'm kidding um so i have no idea where that voice came from okay great yeah no dude i i think that those are all some really interesting things and again i think that's a lot of like good ways to kind of look at like how can we maybe differently interpret works that are around us because that can also be something that you can take into the work field right definitely maybe you don't appreciate someone else's process but you or like maybe you think that their process doesn't work for you but you might be able to see how it can benefit others and maybe there's a way to adapt it that um can then be used and appreciated by everyone involved so and i guess another thing that we could take away from this is that it's okay to work on multiple things at the same time like I, mm-hmm. I sometimes get a little self-conscious because like if I'm working on multiple things at the same time, I'm worried there might be like things might, they might end up sounding samey just because it's like I'm working on the same things at the same time. Yep, 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 but yep. if you have clear enough criteria for how you're doing it and there's a different process for it, then you could, if there's a, if there's a clear cut process for how you're doing it, then that could give you a way to separate, not, I mean, reframe your influences and the reframe like the source material but still show that you're growing through these similar process through these like structured processes so yeah right no absolutely i totally get that um and i think that you know it's also okay to to do i also think it's important to think about the fact that like it's okay to do more than one thing at one time um it's just a matter of finding the right balance um you know, it's, it's something that I've talked about multiple times here, and it's something that I'm still working on, still trying to perfect. Um, but, you know, don't overschedule yourself. Uh, it's okay to say yes and. Just remember that everybody has limits. Of course. And it's okay It's okay to admit those limits. Um, and it's okay to, to, uh, to admit maybe moments of weakness. Um, I'm not always the best at accepting responsibility on things, but, it, you know, once again part of being a better person is just being able to own up to the things that you've, that you, that you're doing and being able to hold yourself accountable. Of course. Um, cool. So actually, so question towards our listeners. So we're going to try and make this more consistent thing. So what are some things that you might've pulled or not maybe might've pulled, but what are some things that you took away from what we talked about here? Um, feel free to tweet at us. Actually, let's get to the outro right now. So Colin, what are you going to work on for this week? So for this coming week, um, to kind of, pull things into a close here. Um, something that I'd like to work on is continuing to work on bettering myself. You know, just basically this is the year where I am going to become an actual adult. I think, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I just bought an actual set of linens for my bed instead of Jersey sheets, you know, so I I'm going to be poles. looking like an adult here. Um, okay. Uh, and so I'm going to be doing that. Uh, I'm going to be continuing to work on more things like the one minute manager, one minute praises. Um, and, uh, I'm going to continue to just basically be the best person that I can be. Uh, and lastly, I'm going to work on preparing us to, um, put out the new podcast called the, the bad pen pal, Mm -hmm. um, which will be airing, uh, the, the Tuesday after this. Um, and also at, uh, just kind of finding where we can start expanding the podcast branch of this network. Um, because, uh, you know, these podcasts are, are all about making connections with folks and, you know, I, I really want to make a, a community here yeah. and 
bring more people into the fold. Um, cause if I've said it once, I've said it a million times. I want to have as many voices being able to sit at the table as possible. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what about you, Alex? What are you going to be working on this week? So in terms of what I am working on this week, so I'm primarily going to be working on finishing some of the, I guess, more minutiae, like finishing editing with things um, and also working on scheduling things. Um, what you had said about knowing your limits and just like respecting your limits. So one thing that I've tried to do is figure out a way we can schedule, like we'll figure out how we can build up the schedule and things like that. But then I got a little plan happy. So I'm trying to figure out, okay, so what mm-hmm. could we focus on first and build up from there? Because my biggest worry is that is burnout. And I don't want burnout, people to be yeah. like, Oh, well this is too much. I can't do it because burnout is a very valid thing. And a burnout is a thing that happens. Um, right. On top of that, really, it's just continuing to um, do what I do. And I'm very good at talking. So um, I think from here, um, <laughs> like you said, that's a pretty good spot to leave it. So um, please be sure to check out our other shows here on the Scavengers Network, such as Culture Shock, our news, reviews, and interviews video series about the arts world. Or if you are looking into more podcasts, try out other great shows here on the networks like Spooky Spouses. Uh, so you can find the video series and others on our YouTube, or you can find um, our podcast wherever you choose to listen to your podcast, you know, whatever podcasting app that you may mm-hmm. use. Um, and if you want to find me, uh, you can find me personally on Twitter at Colin, C-O-L-I-N-M, as in Matthew, Parker, P-A-R-K-E-R. And you can find us on Twitter. Actually, you can find me on Twitter at A-Tail Zero or at French at Music. And you can find both of us at ScavengersNet. Thank you so much for joining us here on Journey Under 30. Once again, I'm Colin Parker. I'm Alex Taylor. And I'll see you when I have boy problems. And I will see Forbes in the new. Hi, everybody. I'm Lindsay Reed. I'm Jordan Reed. And this is Chupacabra's number one fan, Molly Reed, our dog. And we are the hosts of Spooky Spouses, a podcast fueled by our love-hate relationship with any and everything paranormal adjacent. We talk about things like urban legends, ghosts, scary movie sets, other ghosts that are maybe a little taller than regular ghosts, Cryptozoology, Tom DeLong, Alien Hunter, and our creepy neighbor, Crystal Chris. Each week, Lindsay and I will research a topic that we have yet to discuss with one another and talk about it on the show. So if you're not too scared, join us every Monday for Spookies and Giggles. Bye. Bye.